Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. Uh, I am Alex Steve Jobs Gore. I'm here with Lance. Steve Jobs, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Luxury Division Psycho. Only because I'm wearing a cool sweatshirt. Oh, Can you read yeah. it? Read it forever. There is a tremendous amount of craftsmanship between a great idea and a great product. Look at that, Steve Jobs. Not even a Nick read. Um, before we go to that, let's talk about one thing, and that is the job of a lot of architects is laying out spaces and laying it out efficiently. If you want to learn from another architect, Adam Steiner, go to roomlayoutguide.com. Use the co- coupon code. Uh, capital I T F for inside the firm for a 10% discount. He lays out literally how he lays out bathroom, kitchens, living rooms, dining rooms, and then puts notes on it of why he's doing it that way. What tolerances might be. It's a great way to kind of fast forward, leap into the design, uh, leap your knowledge into laying out great spaces. Go check that out. Uh, you should also check out Arcat. As more businesses and tenants demand green design in their buildings, LEED certification, that's L-E-E-D, is more important than ever. While Arcat is known for being red, they can help you go green. Arcat provides thousands of LEED reports from building product manufacturers on how their products can help you make the green choice that's right for your project. Head on over to arcat.com and find the information you need for for lead today that's a-r-c-a-t dot com check those guys out they support us you should support them this podcast is also bought to you by Pella Luxury you have never experienced a brand like this before I have never worn until today this awesome new polo this new golf shirt uh, for the summer we're already Pella Luxury division of uh, uh, sponsors this podcast so we are repping, repping their merch uh, the collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of industry who provide window and or solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm. That's PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. Check out all the brands over there. You won't regret it. Your your clients won't regret it. They are complementary to each other, and they will be seamless, and they will help your modern design come to fruition. Al Gore, back to you. Well, you have something. It's called real estate. Is it going back to me? Increasing 1.5% per week. And then I want to clarify. Are you sure you're not trying to say per month? <laughs> no. <laughs> you say per week. Per week. Yep. Okay. Get yep. it. So, um, <clears throat> the average rate of real estate, the amount that it is increasing per week in the state of Colorado in particular is 1.5%. Yes. It's 100% true. 
because you're seeing headlines come out of Denver. Maybe Al is looking it up right now. Um, out of Denver, that's saying like real estate increased uh, 9.9% in during the month of March, uh, 10% during the month of February, stuff like that, right? So if you just do the quick reverse math, it, it's it's obvious, right? Nine divided by four, you're actually at like 2.25. But that's just for the Denver Metro. So statewide, it is about 1.5% per week. And why that's critical is uh, because if you take a look at this chart that I put together. So this is a this is a chart based on, um, let's say your piece of real estate, let's say you own it, let's say it's an investment property, it's worth 530,000 on the left here. If real estate still, if real estate keeps increasing at a rate of one, the price, if it, if, if it keeps increasing by 1.5% each week, you add the compound interest to this, the whole thing, and you just do a quick calculator, Here's what you end up, if it does this for the next 12 months, this first chart shows like, look at that steady growth. Like it, not everything can it go up perfectly like that, right? And yes, exactly. It breaks a million because the next little uh, graph I have here, it shows that by month 12, it would be worth, it would be worth $1.128 million. That is insane. I just wanted to like that, it, but now... Will it increase, keep increasing like that? Like it's hard, everything that goes up must go down or at least it can't probably do that. But if it does, that's where you're at in life. Well, I would, let's use a real world example. Lance, I, I looked up on Zillow my house. Don't put it, um, don't cut it in because I, don't I want won't to, to know where I live. But I, I didn't think that at this time my house would be worth 500,000, which is plus or minus it's actually plus that, but let's just use 500 for sure. Well, the, it, one of your neighbors just sold their house, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. You've been to my house. It is a typical house. Wouldn't you agree? Like it is a very typical house. It's just your, it's just your average Colorado suburbia built in the nineties, maybe no 2000. Okay. Built in the two thousands, forward facing garage, three bedrooms, two bath, you know, two yeah. stories sort of thing. Yep. So, yep. Um, Al's got a basement. He works out in it. I do fights uh fights a UFC dummy yeah literally and then his kids didn't they get upset once oh they beat it yeah they thought that we are hurting the, the dummy's feelings but I had a <laughs> <laughs> um so here's the prediction Lance like one we didn't I didn't think my house would be where it is right now <laughs> I didn't either where knowing that that like what you showed at a five and uh -huh. knowing what that house looks like in Colorado in a year do you think it will be at a million and then what does that say about everything the basis of economies and all that well so that but that this is why i'm bringing it up is because so and i think you're already kind of prefacing me with it like you already didn't think it would be worth that much money agree so if we just continue that mindset of like oh there's no way it could be worth that much money in one year well we just kind of proved to ourselves like we didn't think it would be worth that much to begin with right at, at its current rate it's plausible that's the point. The point is it's plausible. Now, the title of this episode is is titled, We Are Halfway to the Next Recession. So, know that. Like, right. Like, there, a downturn is coming. And, and maybe that's a good segue uh, in, into that part of it. But keep going, now. But I want to go with... So, one way to understand reality is to abstract it. Because once you abstract it, you get to those fundamental principles, right? So, bringing this up is very important. I feel like because if my normal house gets to 1 million in a year, 
I think alarm bells should ring. And this is why... Just because I, of the psychology of the number? Nope. Oh. Just because I think it says something about the financial system, right? Sure. And here is a little insight. Everyone knows um, that Facebook and, and, and even Twitter um, and social media can be extremely toxic, especially yeah. if you go in the comments, right? Yeah. Everyone should know, but they maybe don't. Um, oh, my wife just went in next door. Talk about it later. Disaster. Next yep. door is a disaster. Yep, did a typical But thing. if you want to sponsor ne us next door, we'll read for you. Yeah, <laughs> I will make fun of you. <laughs> 100%. Said a very normal thing. Even one of our neighborhood friends texts me. And he's like, tell, tell Annie next door is full of crazy people. Oh my God, it's completely nuts. Yeah. But you, you realize this like years ago. Years ago, yep. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is like, it, so I had conversations with my wife and literally discussion points from the general public are nonsensical, crazy, straw man, exaggerations, blah, blah, blah. You've seen that in city council meetings too, like city council meetings. Oh yeah. Somebody will go up to speak and it's like, why is this person talking about this? Yep. This is not a good idea. And what I'm getting at is that knowing that on all those fundamental levels, like engaging the public, let's include us, sure. is very fraught for how to run anything. Very, very fraught. It is because you basically have to argue with people making straw mans and exaggerating and doing all this craziness, right? So I go, what? Thank God, the only one of the major glues that's actually holding America together because you can't function like that. Like you cannot function if you had to literally democratically pass everything and get everyone to agree at least 50%. That's why monarchy so, works. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's what I'm getting at. You know what the monarchy is? What? It's a financial system. That's We can't agree on literally fences. Oh, yeah, for sure. Imagine trying to agree on a cryptocurrency or like a currency, right? There's in there like 18,000 cryptocurrencies yep. right now. We can't even agree in a neighborhood on do dogs bite people? Yes, my son just got bit. This is this is make believe. Why do you even like literally just happen? Yeah, you know, can't even agree on that. So what I'm saying is that I literally had the revelation driving in. Like, thank God that, like, hey, you want to do something? Okay, the competitive um, capitalism with a base monetary system is literally what is making this function because there's this layer of craziness sure. on top of it, and it finally has to go down to Lance. You're competent. You can come redo my basement, okay. and it makes sense that I give you this amount of uh -huh. money for that competent competition monetary system actually makes this work. The democracy is literally probably just like holding it back. Okay. If a regular house- Back to this, yes. Is a million dollars. What does it say about our competent monarchy of currency? I'd say it's the wrong monarchy that's in charge then. Exactly. And right. that's where I get like to abstract this. Like, isn't if that falls apart, dialogue is not going to save us. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Right. Talking, coming together, sharing opinions. Why can't we all get it? Will not save us. And if you think it has, you haven't gotten on discussions on any of those platforms. You need to go on next door. <laughs> go to your local next door, get into an argument. So, uh, so the, just to, just to touch base on this, then. So like, will, will the housing prices continue like they do? Are they like they are? And if the housing prices increase by that much, well then like it continues with this idea of basically stagflation, right? Of 
high high uh, levels of inflation, um, high levels of unemployment eventually, and then a contraction in the economy. So I've got the Wall Street Journal pulled up here. U.S. GDP, if you hadn't heard, you should hear this. U.S. GDP falls 1.4% as economy shrinks for the first time since early in the pandemic. And to define what a recession is, everybody should know this, hopefully, if they listen to this podcast, you need two quarters in a row where you have a fall in GDP. We are on, And this comes, this GDP, this fall in the economy comes with only a quarter percent rate hike in the interest rates from the Fed, the monarchy, they are projecting they're going to do another half a point, which would be double. So if they're if they're going to double the interest rate increasing from 0.25 to 0.5, and when they did it at 0.25, it fell 1.4%, what do you think is going to happen when they increase it by double? Yeah. Um, two questions. One, is this for a quarter? Or yes. Is this, okay. Quarter, so that's why you're saying half a yep, percent. Q1. And then literally just one paragraph, one sentence. The U.S. economy shrank from the article. The U.S. economy shrank in the first quarter, f- first quarter as supply disruptions weighed and output, but underlying strength in consumer and business spending suggested growth will soon resume. However, if you go look at Amazon stock yesterday, you see it, it fell nine percent. They had the fir- the first time in the last like eight quarters they had a loss. They their earnings per share went from like eight bucks. Per, per share yep. to like nine bucks per share, something like that. It was brutal. Is, is it because a loss it up real quick. Um, of, did they increase revenue but spend more because I hear that they're building more warehouses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was part of that, right? So like, uh, yeah, exactly. They're expected, ah, it wasn't that bad, I guess. Um, their expected earnings per share were $8. It was actually only $7, um, but they fell pretty hard yesterday. Um, on that news. Speaking of stocks, do you want the real news here on an architectural slash design slash construction slash entrepreneurial podcast and not from the Wall Street Journal yeah. of the big people? Did you hear Tesla, it's a stock crash because Elon bought Twitter? Yeah. Do you know why? Well, he didn't he sell like $4 billion? Wow. <laughs> you are very rational. And yes, <laughs> he sold he it on, on the 26 in increments. The stock amount always changed, but the price he got, because you have to sell in yeah, the increment, yeah. whatever, was $169 million each. Did it like 20 times Yeah, one day. So anyway, here we are. We're halfway towards the next recession. Are you excited? I'm excited. Uh, yes. And, and just to recap why some people think this is the government's fault is because they're raising hikes because they printed a lot of money. They printed a lot of money because they locked people down. So they kind of made this happen a little bit slightly. It's almost like a games economy. All right, moving on. The next... um, Big news here. Yeah, big news. Absolutely. If uh, Another point I wanted to... So something else that we've been talking about, uh, that's all pandemic related, even though it looks like we're finally coming out of it, depending on who you talk to, is uh, this idea that we would become remote workers forever. All... I've, I've argued with multiple architects about this, other business owners, uh, who basically called me a boomer. Like, oh, why do you guys still have an office? You know, like nobody's, this is this is 2022. Like, what are you doing? It's not 1992. You don't got to get in a suit and tie and come to the office. Well, 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 once again, uh, LinkedIn has this uh, article by Nate Ch- Kate Chapman, editor at LinkedIn News, titled, It's Official, Zoom Kills Creativity. 
video conference calls may be stifling our creativity. And but I don't know if you know this, Al. What? Architecture? Creative business. Ah, uh, yes, it is. You are correct. Construction? Sir. Also got to be creative. Well, you got to figure out a lot of things on the fly and use your brain. Entrepreneurialism. Creative endeavor. So uh, video conference calls may be stifling our creativity as more employees work from home. The challenges associated with remote communication are becoming clearer. According to research from Nature, a study of more than 600 people working in Paris showed that in-person meetings generated more and fresher ideas. Mm. Virtual calls, in which people tend to focus on one another's faces and move around less, produced fewer ideas but didn't interfere with choosing which ones to pursue. The study notes that while video conferencing saves travel, other costs, bosses need to be smarter about which meetings to make virtual. We th- oh, well, I had a meeting with the city, and I thanked them for having it in person. Oh, cool. Because Which is a rarity these days, but yeah. Yep. Because it is difficult when, when you're in a meeting, other people are talking or have the roles for you to somehow like, hey, raise your hand or, or start talking, and then like, then you have to take control of the screen to maybe point things out. So everyone was in the meeting and literally we had this problem and I walked up and I said, this isn't going to be the solution, but it's going to spur this uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. What if we move this bill? What if we do this? Blah, blah, blah. And then we are able to focus and go. Um, so it's absolutely and, true. And, well, no, no, but you were giving creative solutions yeah. in real time. It's exactly proving the point. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, someone has a critique against it, but this person is someone who makes their living on telling people to go virtual. <laughs> He's like... They only did it using one 15-inch screen. They should do the study where everyone has three 15-inch screens. It's get like... a grip, bro. You're going to get out. three times the problem then. Yeah. Whoever that guy is. Yeah. We have uh, a lot of listeners as well that are um, entry-level people, students, people that are thinking about making a move. And you hear this also, another buzzword that you hear a lot in the corporate press, the great resignation. And it's real, right? You know, we've had people resign... Um, and move on to supposedly greener pastures and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I've always wondered, and a, a timely article came up that I just wanted to touch base on and, and give everybody a little bit of like, think about if you are in that position where you are thinking about leaving for a greener pasture, number one, we keep talking about this recession that's headed our way. There's just, it just seems inevitable. So there's going to be a downturn. So if you if you move to a different job and you're the first person there, or like one of the newest person there, people there, guess what? You're, you're probably first to go on the chopping block. Um, but then there's also like, I've always wondered like, what is the psychology about taking a new job? Article here by Jessica Hartog's editor at LinkedIn News. And this is just a two-day-old article. Regret taking that new job, she says. There's no question that job hopping may, may bring home a bigger paycheck faster than staying at your current company, hoping for a promotion, but some job switchers are second-guessing their decisions. While tight job markets may mean that the ball is in the court of many a worker, nearly three-quarters of those who quit for a new job said they felt great, they felt surprise or regret, according to a survey earlier this year from career coaching company The Muse. And nearly 50% said they would try to get their old job back. Three-quarters is a huge number. That's giant. That's why I shared this because I was like, that is a massive statistic you can't ignore. Yep. And there is a time and a place for it. Too. Absolutely. But um, it, it's, I don't, I think some of the part, hey, going for more money 
or more more perks and all that. That's that's all great. Um, so that's a reason. But then I also think some people think it's going to solve like, oh, less problems, less headaches, stuff like that. Unless you are in a abusive working relationship, which you should get out of no matter what, even if you do not make more money. Um, every job comes with its problems. Every job comes with its tasks and responsibilities. Uh, and I think people think that like, <laughs> they think that it's going to be a magic bullet when it's not. That's, that's my, my take. Yeah. Yeah. So tread carefully. Just know that like, you know, we're here to help in terms of you listening to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? We have your sure. shot of Monday morning coffee. And uh, so this is a little preview. Alex actually has, I think, an episode coming out before mine. So next week we'll do his. Um, but I had on a, a great, another great guest. This episode for that we're going to give you a little preview of it will will air on uh, May sixteenth, twenty twenty two. His name is Edwin Carrion, and I wanted to see what Al and the rest of you thought about uh, this question I asked this gentleman. Uh, so he's a real estate developer. He's an investor. He's a mentor. And the question I asked him was. He, uh, he's, he lives in Florida. Um, if the government helps or hurts builders, do you do you think the government helps or do you think they hurt us when we try to make affordable housing or or just more housing? The, the government, in my opinion, it hurts. It hurts mm-hmm. because uh, it, when, when they give out so much, when they give out things to people, it's like people don't value things. And it happened to me growing up that, you know, my mom worked so hard putting me through private school that I didn't value that education as much as I should have because it was given to me for free. So I think in life, when, when you're given things for free, you don't value them as much and you don't have, you know, you don't have that, that sense of pride that, you know, I did it because of my own efforts. It came to me for free. So the, the reason it hurts everybody is because now it puts a burden on, on, on the builders that we have to build. There's all this money out there and all these people that are wanting to buy the houses, so we have to continue building. But when the cost is so high, it makes it unaffordable to the people that are getting all this free money because now in order for them to continue getting that free money, they have to be below a certain uh, income level. And at the moment that they go past that income level, they lose that help. And so it, it puts them on, on, a, on a tight situation that you cannot make money because if you want to keep getting free stuff, you cannot make more money. But in order to, to live a regular life, you have to make money. So, you know, they're putting the, you know, they're, they're back against the wall. It's like, what do I do? Which way do I, which way do I go? What a disincentive. And I, and I think that some people think uh, that's uncompassionate yeah. to, to not help the poor and the needy and things like that. Yeah. And I agree that there needs to be safety nets. There are yeah. tough times. People should in their 20s be able to uh, try out something and then fail at it yep. um, and stuff like that. But to perpetually keep people in a system because of the incentives is not helping them out. Yeah. Edwin is also a an uh, Ecuadorian uh, immigrant. So he's a first generation. You probably heard from his accent, obviously. Um, very successful guy, and uh, I encourage everybody to go take a look at that episode. It was really good. He's a Marine vet, too. I saw the plaques. Yeah, he was awesome. Cool. Uh, well, another uh, great guest we have. Floridian. Floridian. Right Florida man number two. You're cat, cat two. boxies, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do we got? Nick with Nick Reads. Hello, best friends. 
I hope you all had a great week this week. Some ramblings. If something's important enough, you should try. Even if the probable outcome is failure. Really, the only thing that makes sense is to strive for greater collective enlightenment. If you go back a few hundred years, what we take for granted today would seem like magic. Being able to talk to people over long distances, to transmit images, flying, accessing vast amounts of data, like an oracle. These are all things that would have been considered magic a few hundred years ago. We can't have, like, willy-nilly proliferation of fake news. It's crazy. You can't have more types of fake news than real news. That's allowing public deception to go unchecked. It's crazy. I'd rather be optimistic and wrong than pessimistic and right. I'd like to dial it back 5 or 10% and try to have a vacation that's just not email with a view. There are some important differences between me and Tony Stark. Like I have five kids, so I spend more time going to Disneyland than parties. Ladies and gentlemen, Elon Musk. Toodles! Okay, two reactions. <laughs> I love the important distance uh, differences are that he has kids that goes to Disneyland. He didn't name anything else, just those things. That's it. Other than that, he's basically Iron Man. Yep. Second, this is, I want a prediction from you, Lance. Yeah. The far left has already turned on Elon. Yeah. Uh, he, he tweeted this morning. Why Alex is saying that is he tweeted this morning. I, I just got to make sure I, 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 I say it before Al keeps going here. I'm interrupting now or whatever. Uh, Elon Musk tweeted this morning, uh, the far left hates everyone, themselves included. Yep. And, and I, before he even said it, Everyone knew that okay. they turned on. Them. I thought that's why you're saying it, but keep going. No. Uh, when will or has it already happened? The far right will turn on him. When when he, when he lets everybody down and doesn't actually doesn't actually follow doesn't finish the deal with Twitter, like it could still fall through. Oh, because it doesn't happen. So it, he it, doesn't it, take over for six months. Yeah. He doesn't. He technically is not in charge yet. I. I, I, that's when you asked okay um <laughs> you you but do you think if he doesn't take charge or when he does take charge i, I think he's gonna lose him there's no way not to lose him you can't please these extremes yeah because they're both extremes with uh too much it's like uh it's like if you ask your spouse to be perfect she 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 or he is not perfect it's like if i asked al to be perfect he's not perfect yep and 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 the extremes hold their thoughts morally meaning like if you aggress against whatever you're they're attacking thought, them and their religion whatever it is yep, and i i mean i'm talking about the left too like whatever that li- oh, religion yes. is statism i don't know yep exactly so and then like you said it's like well they all hold different beliefs so how am i not gonna offend them like even even if you're on the same side if you're on the far right or the far left they both have different triggers that they are morally connected to that you are going to step on those landlines so good luck, Elon. Uh, I think you're awesome, but man, this was a this was a task to take on Twitter. <laughs> I think it's I think it's wild, man. There's uh yeah, I was watching a documentary um, about him. It was it's an old one, so it came out in like 2018 on Amazon. 
some of the stuff is still relevant. Some of it's not because like, he, you know, he didn't really start turning profits on Tesla until like literally after that. Probably. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yep. he really did, wasn't there and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so, but they need to update that because what they showed is like, I, I don't think anybody understands. Like, remember he got rich because of the zip too. Yeah. Yeah. And then he sold that. Yep. And then, then he bought PayPal. And it, so like the analogy they were making to when he took over PayPal, when he bought, when he started PayPal and everything, it was pretty similar to Twitter in terms of like the, just everybody, you know, the, the task, like the difficulty of the task at hand. Oh, because landmines and difficult and coding and when, you got to make well, it work. Well, just, just to make it pervasive through and fair, you know, throughout the world, like PayPal, pay, everybody knows what PayPal is now. Yeah. I still like the haters. The, the haters just are so funny with Elon. Like, I'm not asking... Neither of us are not asking anyone to hero worship the guy. Like, don't have false idols and all that. But to not give Elon Musk any kind of credit and just dismiss him and say things like, he's never created anything useful. Oh, my God. Like, what is wrong with you? Who? who Joe Walsh said this on Twitter. That I, Joe Walsh is trash. He, he said... Um, he said uh, nothing... Uh, Elon Musk is like boring or something. You should look it up, Al. He, he's like, uh, what the heck did he say? You know who Joe Walsh is, right? Just, are you on Twitter? Uh, oh, a guitarist? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. He, he's this, he's this, he just says all kinds of top. He's unimpressive. He's unimpressive and he bores, Elon Musk bores him. Like, get out of here. Yeah. The other thing, the big test too, um, is people who don't allow for failures of, of someone like that or anyone. Because again, got to be perfect. Like this perfect standard, like get out of here. Yeah. And, and think about this. This is one of the biggest things. There's, there's a, a quote, who knows who it's attributed to, but like, um, if you wait along long enough, your heroes will fail you. Yeah. And, and the reason why is like, who's going to ever bat a hundred percent. And the more that they succeed, so like, hard. like you said, you laid out all these companies, he's going to get one of them wrong. And it might be Twitter. Like you just can't bet bat a hundred percent right and because you've done all those other ones correctly it's hard to see that you aren't doing this one correctly right and then people will turn on you or and if you can't correct yourselves like okay they're trash blah blah blah. it's like okay he got eight out of nine correct what what are you gonna do what are you gonna do yeah like like again so like have some self-reflection here like uh, how many billion dollar companies have you made? Well, not only that, but how many times have you got the like? Okay, let's say Elon got nine out of ten. Like, how many times are you batting that that much? Oh, here it is. I find it's one sentence. I find Elon Musk to be a thoroughly uninteresting person. Yet you are tweeting about him. All right, that's enough. Thoroughly. <laughs> what do we got next? Uh, Airy Jeopardy. Let's bring down the crew. Okay, question number one. <clears throat> what is the minimum landing length for an escalator discharge? Hmm? Is it A, five foot, B, eight foot, C, 12 foot, or D, seven foot, six? The correct answer is eight foot, B. Huh, weird. What, question two, what is the minimum landing length for an escalator loading mm. i feel like this is a trick i feel like this is this one's a trick is it a five foot b eight foot c 12 foot d seven foot six 
It is D seven foot six. What? Loading is less than discharge. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Number three, the elements which comprise the elements which comprise an exit to the outside, including aisles, corridors, doors, and stairways, are called what? Is it A exit discharge? B exit path. C exit. D means of egress. E right of way. What do we got? A, C. It is B, egress path. I know you're surprised. What were you gonna say, Ross? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do we got for scores? One. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tyler can tie. Number four. Which code was not used to create the new International Building Code? A. Boca. B O C A. B. ICBO, I-C-B-O, uh, C-N-F-P-A, D-S-B-C-C-I. Critical or you'll just kill people with your buildings. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ICBO. Uh, any repeats? Are we good? I'm guessing, guessing anyway. Another A guess. Another A guess. The correct answer is uh, C-N-F-P-A, National Fire Protection, blah, blah, blah. Jason, where are we eating? Kadoba here! Yay! <laughs> Yay, Kadoba! <laughs> That's it. That's it for me, Lance. Take us out. Uh, if you like this episode, please uh, share this episode with a friend, a colleague, your mom, of course, as always. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment, subscribe, like, and we will see you next week.